mini-series episode for the analytics chats that I will be doing here on Beyond the Blade. I am your solo co-host for now, Chad Didimenesis, and today I am going to be joined by the excellent Megan Hall. We're going to go over some power play and penalty kill work that she's done over the last year or so, maybe get into some other things. She's done some stuff with goaltenders as well, so we're pulling the goaltenders at least, so maybe we'll get into that at the end. But Megan writes for Hockey Graphs. And like I said, she's done some really interesting work over the last few years um, in the analyst community. So a little bit of a different feel today. Like we're gonna we're gonna look talk about a lot of non-five-on-five talks. So that, that's kind of what makes today interesting. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. It was one of the conversations when I lined them up that I was kind of looking forward to the most. So I won't waste a lot of time here with the rambling in the beginning. We'll get right into the interview here, but stay locked in because we have after Megan we have two more interviews coming this week I'll be chatting with Ryan Stimson formerly of the Buffalo Athletic and Sean Tierney too and for those who don't know that is that's at Charlie Hockey the guy who does all the awesome hockey charts on Twitter so I'll be talking with Ryan and Sean uh, later this week as well as we continue this series along so without much further ado we will get right into Megan I hope you enjoy the conversation, and we will talk again soon. All right, so I am joined on the line by someone that I've picked up recently following, but is one of the brighter minds I've noticed here, and especially over the weekend in Rochester at the Analytics Conference. Uh, Her presentation was one of the better ones for me, so I am joined by Megan Hall to talk about her penalty kill, power play, whatever else we decide to discuss here. But Megan, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me a little bit here. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for asking. So like I said in the beginning there, I'm kind of, I just, again, since we're actually talking, I again want to tell you how awesome that presentation was and the how, I got to say, it's one of the ones that kept me the most entertained and interested throughout. It was really good and some really good insight. Oh, awesome. Thanks. I'm glad I put, I put a fair bit of thought into, you know, the presentation structure and hoping, you know, to keep people engaged. So I'm glad it's a good review. <laughs> it came through. I was talking to Hannah like after that and she said you were pretty nervous all morning. So it didn't show through in your presentation. So good job. Yeah. Cause I really like public speaking and I get like good nervous, but I felt, I felt really bad for the people that have to wait till the end of the day. I think I was like third or something so uh, I could right. get my nervous energy out. I don't know what I would have done. 
um, if I had to wait till the end of the day. So yeah, I just get really wired, which is a direct contrast to the rest of my personality. So <laughs> pretty <laughs> weird. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So we're going to start with the penalty kill soft because that's what you kind of spoke about over the weekend. So instead of me kind of guessing what you were trying to do, you did it, you put in the work. So you kind of want to give me a quick synopsis kind of how you got started in this project and kind of what you were trying to at least accomplish during the beginning. Yeah, so it kind of came about, um, as I mentioned in my presentation, almost on accident because I do a lot of work on the power play. And I was just kind of doing some of my normal data exploration. And I got my, I just got my for and against mixed up with my stats when I was pulling in numbers. And I just happened to like, be, you know, be looking at penalty kill uh, data and just found some really interesting stuff about how the offense on the penalty kill, both like the share of offense and the rate of offense has really been going up over the past four or five seasons. I mean, last season, uh, the penalty kill team took like almost 20% of all shots on a penalty, which has gone up a fair bit, even from, again, just like four years ago. So I was mostly just curious to start examining that trend. I Most of my research interests in hockey in general is looking at kind of league-wide trends. I think the last big project I did that I presented on earlier this year in Seattle was about goalie pulling around the league. So I, I'm just personally curious in seeing, like looking at trends that are happening around the league. So it's pretty curious to see, look a little deeper as to what's been happening on the penalty kill. Well, this is interesting. So one of our co-hosts here, uh, Bill, he's very, his thing for years has always been to have an aggressive penalty kill that not only pressures the opposing team, but also has players on it that have the ability to score goals for you too. Yeah. Uh, quick skaters, uh, guys who even have some skill. You know, we've seen Jack Eichel do it a few times here in Buffalo when he's given the opportunity. Um, Bill has, you know, banged the table numerous times when he's been a free agent or for trade to go get Michael Grabner because that seems like his passion <laughs> on the penalty kill to do those kind of things. Yeah. But it's super interesting kind of going through this, how, you know, you, you have it, your shots and shot attempts you know, over the last three years here of all trending up for the penalty killers. It's super interesting that it looks like, like you said, the league is kind of trending towards that more aggressive style than kind of just sitting back in that box and letting the goaltenders kind of do all the work. Yeah. And it's funny because also, I mean, if you look at the other side, I mean, I can't stray from the power play for too long, you know, (laughs) the four forward power plays have been becoming so much more popular over the past four seasons. Like it's gone from like 50% of all, power play time to like almost 75% just in four years and four forward power plays are able to control the share of offense better because they generate so many shots. So it's interesting that this is happening. Like we're still seeing this increase in penalty kill offense, even though, you know, the four forward power plays are becoming more common. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's super interesting. And we are seeing some, if you look at the numbers, I kind of did this by creating some weighted average um, with some regression metrics that the four, like the general offense ability of forwards on the penalty kill has been going up a little bit over this time. So it looks like, I mean, you'd really have to start looking at individual teams and the choices that they make, but the teams are starting to pick more offensively minded players for the penalty kill, which, I mean, I agree. I think that's more fun. <laughs> so one thing I noticed, it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, I was thinking about it during your presentation and then it kind of jumped in my head now as we were talking about it is, you know, you mentioned the increase in the four forwards, one defender, then the increase in these skilled forwards playing the penalty kill. And you kind of wonder if that has a correlation there, you know, because 
that extra forward isn't used to playing defense. So if the penalty killing team gets the opportunity to take advantage of that forward or even a two-on-one or some sort of situation, it kind of seems while the man advantage, of course, is in favor of the team with more players, there's that opportunity there for the penalty kill team to have an offensive opportunity with one less defenseman on the ice. Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the things that I also looked at when I did this data because um, I replicated or I guess I just updated some work that Matt Kane had done a few years ago. Um, he used to be a public analyst and now works for the Devils about penalty kill aggressiveness, which is basically just measuring using the zone entry data we have to measure how often um, a penalty kill team is you know, attempting to enter their offensive zone. And I was able to find that this metric, it is higher for uh, penalty kills that are playing against a power play unit with four forwards. So yeah, it does check out. I mean, like, I mean, it makes sense, right? You have like, there are fewer defensemen, so you might be able to get, you know, there is a higher rate of controlled entries right. for teams that are playing against four forwards. So we'll make our transition here to your wheelhouse. Talk about the power play a little <laughs> bit, because I, I kind of feel that's kind of where we're going to get the meat and potatoes here in the podcast. So the one thing I wanted to ask kind of off the bat here is we, we talked a lot about the four, the four one against the three, two, uh, mm-hmm. the four one is the new trend here, but I don't know if you have the data in front of you. I, I, I but I'm pretty sure, wasn't there a couple of teams? I remember you talking about maybe tweeting about it, a couple of teams that even went at some point last season to five forwards. Remember the yeah. Flyers doing it specifically. Yeah. The Flyers did it a little bit and so did the Rangers, I think, okay. um, which I think is, I mean, that's just super fun. It wasn't a huge percentage of their minutes for sure. But, you know, like, why not, right? <laughs> in certain game situations, it makes sense. Like, if you're down at the end of the game, why yeah, not? Yeah, like, like, like why not? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, this, it's in the same vein as, in a, similar to pulling your goalie early, right? I mean, if right. you're going to lose, probably going to lose anyway, you might as well get, you know, a slightly higher chance. But, yeah, so I think that was fun. We have not seen that on the penalty kill, though. There haven't really been any teams that have been playing with three forwards on their penalty kill as much as I would like them to just for – you know, my own curiosity. That That's does not yet seem to be happening. <laughs> what about like going three defensemen and one forward? It kind of. Yeah. I haven't seen much of that either. The two, two is pretty steady. Right. Right. Interesting. I never thought about that. So looking through your power play data here, I, I didn't write down questions because I kind of just wanted to look through this and then talk about it as we're going. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of going to go with some reading through here. So the one thing I want to ask you about is the structure index. I, I, reading it, I kind of understand it, but can you kind of maybe just talk it out here so maybe I can get a full grasp of really what that means. Yeah, sure. So it was also, uh, this was also developed by Matt Kane. I feel really bad. I just keep like getting interested in things and then I look it up and I see that poor Matt has like already done work on this, <laughs> that then I just update. So um, we both seem to have an interest in like anything besides five on five. <laughs> um, but the structure index was developed by him and was trying to quantify the ability of a team to shoot from like a structured formation. So it basically just uses kind of weighted averages to see where players take shots from and how close that is to their average spot. So, I mean, if you could imagine, like we all know where Ovechkin likes to shoot from on the power play, right? So his number would like be very small because most of his shots are pretty close to his average shot location. And he, again, Matt did this, uh, did this research a couple years ago and found that in general, it was a good thing to have your power play be more structured. But I mean, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with that and feel like that maybe a more structured power play is, you know, more predictable and easier for a penalty kill to figure out. So, you know, you can kind of, you can see both sides. So kind of jumping into a focus in the Sabres here, I'm kind of looking through their numbers here and the structure index has them ranked 30th in the league where 
you kind of thinking through it in your head, you're like, oh, well, the power play always runs through Jack Eichel, and he's most times on that. You could almost say that Ovechkin spot or even that Stamco spot mm-hmm. on, on, his, yeah. on his power wing. So it's interesting that, you know, with the structure next with them, it ranks them so low still. Yeah. Um, what was most interesting to me for looking at um, the Sabres power play, power play from last year is that there are only there were only last year there were only two teams that had their most prominent power play unit, like by time on ice, have mm-hmm. two defensemen on it. And Buffalo was one of them. And that unit, the one with the Rasmuses, yep. you know, that was by far the three forward unit that saw the most ice time last year of a power play in terms of like percentage of their team's power play. Like that power play, I think played like almost 20% mm-hmm. of their minutes. And the next closest around the league, I think was the, Burns Carlson power play in San Jose. And that was only like maybe 12% of their minutes. And it's cause I'm so used to seeing like looking at power play shot maps for a four forward unit where like the defenseman shots are basically all kind of just along the blue line. But if you look at the one from that unit, I mean, Darlene really doesn't shoot at all from the blue line. He's, you know, just on the opposite yeah. wall. Yep. Yeah. Didn't, I'm wondering if they'll kind of, I mean, they have a new coach this year. So I wonder, you know, wrist yeah. line is still here somewhat. <laughs> Surprisingly, depending on who you ask. I mean, he seems equally surprised. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I kind of wonder if maybe he goes to that three, two, or maybe goes to the four, one and wrist line and takes a dip in, in power play minutes and plays in that second unit. Cause I think it's, there's no question now that Darlene, if they go to a four, one is going to be the guy in the first power play unit, which traditionally sees the majority of the minutes. So, right. You know, so I, I kind of wonder if at times they'll throw that three, two out there, or if they'll just go four, one and Darlene's one and wrist those two. Yeah. I mean, every, at least last season, I mean, every team still uses a three forward unit, but there are some teams now that really barely use it. And for almost every team, it's, you know, the second half of the power play. Right. And I think if Victor Olsen does end up making the team, you know, he has that ridiculous shot. I would, I would imagine he'd been the first unit and he did, he'd take wrist line and spot and he'd play on the wall and yeah, that works somehow. Yeah, exactly. When that's why it's so team specific. I don't think you can be broad enough to say that, you know, every power play should always have four forwards and one defenseman because it's, you know, different teams play with different types of structures and certain players have, you know, defined abilities that is going to make that work. So yeah, I'll be curious to see what that looks like. So getting back to the Sabres numbers a little bit from last year. So they're, they were second in second in, this is going to sound weird. They were second in seconds per shot last year. Uh-huh. So that that's interesting, but everything else kind of middle of the pack low. You know, I mean, the shooting percentage thing doesn't surprise me because yeah. part of that I think is Eichel with his, I mean, there's so many times he's over there and I, th- I think just he can really improve on this for a guy who's talked about improving his scoring output this season that he wants to do that. I think that's kind of the spot where he can do it because there's so many chance times he gets on that one timer side and then just, you know, can't, can't hit, misses the net, goes wide, comes around. So I think that's the area for him to really improve. Yeah, because from from looking, I mean, what you know jumps out to me when looking at their numbers is they do get off, I mean, a lot of shots. Like you mentioned, their shot generation rate is pretty high as a team. But the, I mean, the shooting percentage isn't great. And their expected goals rate also isn't that high. So suggests that they're probably not taking the highest quality of shots, which probably also, because I think their their goal rate was like basically right in the middle of the league, like not terrible, but yeah, not fantastic. You would hope that it would be higher for all the amount of shots that they're generating, but that's just because the, you know, expected goals was lower and also the shooting percentage. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. That makes, that makes a lot of, as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Watch it. <laughs> that definitely would happen. So it's, you know, it, it's interesting. Somebody actually, um, Kevin, this guy I interact with on Twitter a lot. This, I think this kind of gets into this this one specific question he wanted me to ask is, 
you know, there's teams like Tampa Bay who don't, you know, have a lot of, they, it, they have so much talent on their power play, you know, obviously because of what they have, yeah. but we kind of wonder if there's like, even with the Sabres though, there's not, there wasn't a lot of like cross ice passing. And I wonder if I was kind of curious and so was he, if there's anything like in your data, you can track in regards to that, where teams are more successful if they're passing more cross ice instead of kind of like going around the outside. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have any, I don't personally have any, you know, quantifiable, uh, power play data about that. But I mean, other people have found that in general, you know, a rural road pass, right. Any pass that crosses the center line, like makes it harder for the goalie to track. Right. And the, the expected that affects the expected goals. You have a higher chance of that next shot being a goal. So I would, I feel decently confident without numbers at my disposal to say that, you know, that's probably a good thing. Anytime you're forcing the goalie to move, you're generally doing a good thing. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. And again, it kind of our, our thinking when we talked about it back and forth is like I mentioned Olofsson. So if Eichel's going to be whipping the puck cross ice for those one-timers like he did, you know, in the five, six games together where Olofsson was up last year, you kind of wonder if that's going to improve their expected goal output and even result in more goals. So that's kind of where we were going with that line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's like my my list of, you know, things that I want to look at is is very long, but being able to track some of this passing, you know, is, is up on the list and hopefully, you know, eventually some of this mythical player tracking data that we might have, you know, could help out, help out with that. But as for right now, it's just all, all manual tracking. So the, the last question I kind of asked you in the power play here is, I mean, you're, you're into this power play stuff, you in the numbers and the data, what do you think for a team specifically, maybe it can be one or even two things um, is what, a team should focus on is it as many shots possible is it focusing on accuracy is it focusing on focusing on shot quality is there something in your mind that you think a team should really really focus on when they have the man advantage oh that's a good question i mean shot like high levels of shot generation never really hurt right um and i also think what you were saying before about the cross ice passes the railroad passes is also is also really important, like being able to just set up a cycle and like move the puck around is a thing that, you know, all power plays, I think can be better at. And I mean, it sounds silly, but you look at, you made the example of Tampa having a really good power play, right? But I mean, they had the highest, like that top unit shot like 25% on the power play. So that really helps too. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, if you had like a talent and the skill, I think exactly. that's how many things, right? The shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I guess here's the last question to kind of touch on one of the things you talked about last year with Seattle um, to kind of give a little more, I guess, credit and bump for somebody who's kind of looking for it, the goaltending data. So yeah. I'll, I'll ask you one quick question. You're a mm-hmm. head coach of an NHL team. You're down by a goal. Are you in favor of pulling the goalie as early as possible or are you one of those people that kind of wait till later in the game or is it depend on the situation? So in general, I am in favor of pulling the goalie sooner than probably would be average. The um, the league average is like very slowly creeping up. I think last season, it, on average, when teams were down by one goal, they were pulling with a minute 45. Um, because the numbers do support the, like the numbers support the fact that you should pull the goalie sooner because your, you know, your goal generation rate does go up significantly when you're playing six versus uh, six versus five. Right. But it's, I mean, it's a hard thing to that's a hard thing to communicate often to the team level because you have like coaches who don't want to lose by a lot of goals right like empty net goals always look bad Uh, like the players on the ice don't want the minus obviously and 
I mean, one thing I think that doesn't get talked enough about, about, um, when you're discussing pulling the goalie really early is that you probably don't want your third and fourth line out there with an empty net. Right. I mean, everyone can say like, Oh, you should pull your goalie with three or four minutes, but like your first and second lines can't really be out there for three or four minutes. Right. So I think that's also something that, um, that has to be taken into account. Interesting. A lot of interesting stuff there. So Megan Hall, uh, one of the brighter minds on Twitter with the analytics stuff. So I recommend you following her and looking at her info. So Megan, I'll kind of give you the floor here to kind of, I know you have a podcast too. So kind of give you the floor here to kind of tell people where they can find you and where they can find your podcast and you're also your excellent uh, projects you've put together so far. Yeah, I do host a podcast called Balls and Sticks uh, with a Sabres fan. So that might be of interest to your audience. I believe <laughs> Hannah's fairly popular on Sabres Twitter. Yes, yes, she is. Um, so you can find that at uh, ballsandsticks.com or just, you know, wherever people listen to podcasts. Um, I'm on Twitter at Megan M. Hall. And that's where, you know, I link to all of the presentations I've done, all the data I put out there. That's all linked there. Very good. So... Again, Megan Hall, I appreciate you taking the time, Megan, to chat with me and go over your penalty kill power play stuff. Really interesting stuff. I mean, a lot of the analytical stuff you kind of see is on the five-on-five five focus, so this is kind of interesting to kind of get out and be on that and yep. get some special teams focus. So I think you really have a nice little niche there that you've kind of hit on. So Yeah, uh, I somehow accidentally have just completely avoided five-on-five, five, like six-on-five, <laughs> five-on-four, four-on-five. So we'll just keep going. Yeah, I like it. So you know, keep, keep plugging along there. Um, you know, I appreciate it. I enjoy it, and I'm sure others do as well. Uh, so again, you know, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I look forward to when the podcast is going again because I really yep. enjoy it when it's going. So um, yep, we took a little break for the hot for the off season this year, but we will be back when the season's yes. back. Yeah, I definitely know how that goes here. We did the same yep. thing. So no, no, no issues with that at all. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Enjoy the season that starts. I mean, the Sabers have a game going on right now, so um once this is over i'm going to kind of jump into that so that'll be fun but i I appreciate you taking the time like i said like 14 times now and hopefully we'll be able to talk again soon yeah anytime thank you so much